0: And welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at RoastHousePub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. So I'm your host, Chris Sands. We traveled out near Baltimore today to sit in the tap room of the Heavy Seas Brewery, with longtime, often referred to as the godfather of <laughs> Maryland beer, Hugh Sisson, <laughs> co-founder and owner of Heavy Seas. Well, cheers! Welcome to welcome to Heavy Seas. Thank you for having us out. Hell yeah! So, and in the and I do mean that. I think um, it, it's multiple people who often refer to you as the godfather because you have been absolutely instrumental in. Th- the ability for Maryland beer to be produced and sold. That's just because I've been here longer than yeah. anybody else. <laughs> so, so that was that will lead into my next question. Do you even remember what you were doing before you uh, were making and selling beer to Maryland? Sure. Uh, I mean, you know,
1: my uh, my undergraduate and graduate degrees were in theater, so I was supposed to be an actor director type. Uh, I ended up in the bar business in 1980 in downtown Baltimore, and uh, I didn't know a damn thing about the bar business other than sitting in a bar stool. So what I did figure out pretty quickly that you needed to do something to differentiate yourself. So we turned the family bar, it was called Sissons, into a beer joint in like 81. Uh, And that happened because I learned to like beer when I was studying theater in London in the 70s. Uh, And that just kind of segued from there. So I, I... been slinging beer since 1980, uh, and then brewing it since 1989.
0: So you, you started with um, the brew pub, Sissons. Yep. And then how long until you decided to go into a production, move to a production brewery? Well, the, um, I mean, Sissons
1: started brewing in Sissons in August of 1989. We had a bill which went in the Maryland legislature in 87 to legalize brew pubs. Uh, I did not expect that bill to pass, and it did. So we were sort of shocked, oh, crap, now what do we do? Now um, we have to do now something. we have to do it. Um, so then I did the brewing there from 89 to 94, and then left there in 94 to focus just on the production side. And we opened this place in December of 95. So for all intents and purposes, we began brewing in 96. Okay. Um, so we're 22 years in. Um but you know, it's I mean kinda right after I started brewing at the at the restaurant, it, you know, it's like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. And so yeah, we've been in I've been in it for a while.
0: So when you when <clears throat> you, when you opened the at least on the production end then the only other person around would have been Oliver's, right? Um on the production side, uh, no, I mean Wild right. Goose
1: was still here. Oh that's what yeah. Frederick okay. Brewing Company was here. That's right. Uh, when I opened here, DeGroen's was here. Um, Oxford Brewing Company was here. Uh, what was it? Mark Toohey's, uh Brimstone was around. So, I mean, there were there was... That was the first wave. You know, interestingly enough, uh, you know, out of the first wave uh, of the folks who were really production breweries, you know,
0: I'm the only one that, that's still here. Um, so I'm hoping I can say that in another yeah. <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> now, the... But when you first opened, it was uh, Clipper City. Clipper right? City,
1: yeah. Clipper City was the, and still is, uh, the the corporate name, so okay. named because Baltimore was where the Clipper ship was first designed and built. If you look at the history uh, or the growth patterns of craft beer over the, you know, the last thirty years, uh, in the eighties and all the way through the mid nineties, every year the you know the growth was robust. Um, So the year that we opened in 96 is when it went flat for six years. Now we got a brand new facility with more capacity than we needed uh, in a market that was collapsing and I had to turn the, the Clipper City brand into much more of a mainstream style because that was the only way I was gonna survive. So when the market began to harden again, and I wanna say in about 2001, I decided it was time now to do some more uh, robust and adventurous styles, and I kind of determined that Clipper City had come to mean one thing, so I needed to do something different. So we created Heavy Seas as the brand where we could place uh, our bigger beers, and that was sort of an interesting segue from the more staid reputation of the Clipper City into the Heavy Seas.
0: Okay. That was I... I think um, that tra- ra- at that transition was right around when I was starting to get into craft beer, so right. I was always confused of why. The, but that well, that makes I mean, I mean, that's, that's
1: why that occurred. By the time we got to 2010, uh, we decided that we were just going to focus only on Heavy Seas and remove any. Other. And, and during that period of time, we had also acquired the Oxford Brewing Company, so we had we had three brands at one point. We had Clipper City, Heavy Seas, and Oxford. And it, we needed to focus, so we did that. Now the funny story about that was uh, the guy who is <clears throat> our sales manager, named Joe Gold, who I've known for thirty plus years. Uh, I ran into him at Max's on Broadway in Fell's Point when I had made the decision that we were going to take away everything and just focus on heavy seas. And, and uh, you know, he happened to walk in. He wasn't working for me at the time, and, and I said, "Joe, I've decided that." Clipper City as a brand has gone away. We're just focusing on heavy seas, and he looked me right in the eyeballs and said, "That's a really bad idea." <laughs> and, and that year we grew thirty-four percent. So oh, good, uh, good but, thing you didn't take his advice. No, he, and he works with us now. So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, nah, I—it was the right call. You know, but you never know until after the fact. I mean, there's a lot of right calls that turned out to not be the yeah. right call.
0: <laughs> um, in the Heavy Seas line, what, what was one of the first beers in that? Well, the first beer that was in
1: that was Winter Storm, okay. uh, which was our—it uh, had been—it was sort of a reincarnation of our, of our Clipper City Reserve winter ale. Uh, but we loved the recipe, so that was the first one. And when we were designing that package, um, because of the name Winter Storm and Heavy Seas, you know, there was a character being tossed about on a raft— Uh, And uh, as we were looking at the initial designs, that character was sort of piratey. Because, I mean, the initial Heavy Seas concept was not pirate. Um, But from that particular illustration, we kind of said, well, wait a minute, maybe that's something we can play with Uh, there. And that's where that began. So
0: just kind of slowly grew into the pirate. I mean, that came
1: in. And then there was, um, I think the second one was the Uber Pills Small Craft Warning uh which will come back in limited draft sometime in twenty eighteen. Um and then the peg leg stout and then we finally got around to the IPA and I did it that way specifically because I didn't want the IPA mm. to take over the portfolio and as soon as we put out loose cannon it took, took over. over the portfolio. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> that's I would I'd be curious to see the percentages for how many breweries are there that their IPA isn't their number one beer i and, think that's a very small number yeah I mean, it, you know
1: i mean you got the you got the outliers like allagash which is their belgian white but i mean right wrong or different for most of it's it's going to be the ipa americans love hops i did a, a presentation the other night and we uh we sampled everybody among other things on our on our cutlass vienna lager which is a tremendous beer it's got five GABF medals. i think one or two world beer cup awards it's an awesome awesome product and I gave him the spiel on that and I said, and unfortunately almost nobody buys it. And he said, why? <laughs> it's because Americans are in love with hops and this is not a hoppy beer. So, yeah. you know, those of them who want to experiment discover that it's really good, but they love hops.
0: And I, 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 I can appreciate almost every style. There are some I There are very few examples of it that I like. But I'm definitely in that
1: category with Goza. I think it's a style that should be uninvented. Oh, see, I I
0: love Goza. I I was enjoying a couple last night, and then um, when my wife would agree with you 100%, she can't stand any beer that is um, even the slightest bit sour. Funny story about sours. Um,
1: Years ago, I was was either the Craft Brewers Conference or GABF or one of those. and I'm walking around with uh, Spike Bukowski, who's the brewmaster for Terrapin in, in uh, Georgia. Awesome guy. Um, and he and I are both sort of traditionalists, uh, you know, sours. So some, somebody comes up to Spike and goes, Spike, Dude. You guys ever gonna do any sours? And he looked him right in the eye and said, You mean intentionally? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sours are a uh, traditional style. Uh, well, it, it is, but, but basically, yeah, I, for the I know I what mean, you mean. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <mostly> <laughs> for a lot of us of of you know, sours are a mistake.
0: Yeah. I, like last night. I was I was drinking a Burley Oak Dream, uh-huh. which I, I love that series right. of beers. And I was, and I, I handed it to my wife. I was like, "You gotta try this. This is this one is amazing." Right. She took a sip of it. It was like, "How can you drink this? It's awful." I was like, "Well, you're just wrong." Um, well, that's why there's all different kinds. So uh, you you ran down the long list of accolades and awards that you've run, won for your beer, mm-hmm. but one recently that noticed there's yeah, a we, very um, large
1: sign beer to... beer connoisseur uh, magazine, which is I think partly print and partly online, which is sort of a national publication. Um, just got uh, we just got awarded the 2017 Brewery of the Year, um, which is which is really funny because. Uh, I, none of us knew it was it was in the offing. <laughs> and the, literally the way I found out is I happened to go on Facebook, and I never go on Facebook, but for one reason I went on Facebook, and one of the things in my feed was uh, from a California brewery who was a runner-up saying, wow, thrilled to be part of the of the company with blah, 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 congrats to
0: winners, heavy seas. And I'm going,
1: what the hell is that? Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> hell, anybody see this?
0: <laughs> That's pretty. you think they would give you a heads-up if they're <laughs> didn't do a thing it's funny that's funny what do you know like what was their um metrics or how did they well, judge they, i mean them?
1: they 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 sample and judge products you know all throughout the year and i don't know how many of our beers they they looked at but uh, it was a bunch of them apparently but they they we had three beers that were in the top three scores for the for the country for the year so so that's how we got it
0: awesome yeah well, congratulations thank you <laughs> So, of your beers, what's your favorite?
1: Okay, the uh, the politically correct answer At is to say I love all my children. Yeah, and it's a lie, though. Uh, well, I mean, you lay no, love them all, true. but you, I, I, I mean, you I, love one when, a little when, bit more. When you make as many different styles as we do, <laughs> you do tend to focus on, you know, what's the right product for this particular moment in time. Yeah. Having said that, uh, Loose Cannon is fifty percent of our business. Loose Cannon pays 50% of my bills. Loose <laughs> Cannon is my favorite beer. <laughs> and that will continue for a while.
0: From, from a standpoint of you drinking your own beer, is it, would well, it still I tend be to gravitate Cannon?
1: toward the hoppier side, and Loose Cannon is up there. I think probably uh, my, my favorite beer that we make uh, is the Winter Storm that comes out every year. I just think that's an awesome product. That was our, our first international gold medal winning beer. Uh, and also, if you think about it, is the single most brilliant name for a beer ever invented by man. <laughs> and, I, and I say that for one reason and one reason only. You know, it comes out in October and it's petering out uh, on the shelves and sometime in February. So during that period of time, every time the weather gets really crappy, Every radio and television station in the country is advertising my product for free.
0: Nice coup. Absolutely. I mean, you're driving along, and
1: they give you the winter
0: storm warning, and yeah.
1: it's, yeah, baby.
0: And it, I think that's a very underrated style. And uh, the Imperial uh, well, ESB? Yeah. Or just the ESBs in general, then probably definitely an Imperial.
1: I agree. Because
0: um, when done yeah. right, it's an amazing
1: beer. Well, we I mean, we used to call it Category 5 Ale, and then... We sort of took those words off, and I, you know, I don't know what we were trying to achieve by taking those words off and putting "imperialist." I, I don't think people give a damn. Yeah. You know, they either like it or they don't like it, and it's been around long enough. As I said, that was really the first one that we put out under the Heavy Seas
0: brand name. Um, it's just a, it's just a great beer. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a gentleman that you know well, Tom Flores, uh-huh, uh-huh. about how a lot of the labeling and names for beers kind of mean nothing at this point. Right. Where IPA can just simply be beer right. <laughs> at, at this point. Like, it it's lost its meaning. And IPA isn't an Imperial Pale Ale anymore, or an India Pale Ale anymore. Right. It's, it's beer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, I mean, the evolution
1: of the, the American consumer's understanding of beer in general over the last 30 years has been staggering. And in the last 10 years, uh, people have really begun to figure out what the hell knuckleheads like me are doing. So, <laughs> so that's good. I mean, it makes our jobs both
0: uh, easier and more complicated. You mentioned Uber Pills, and I could be completely wrong about this memory, but is that one of the beers that you had uh, legal issues with the, like, copyrights with the name, no, or was that a different beer?
1: I, 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 um, well, that was, yeah, the funny story about that one is we were the first guys in the country to produce that style. Um, I neglected to trademark the term Uber Pills. Okay, that's the so so, and then I, we we got a GABF medal for it. I happened to be standing next to a guy named Jack Joyce, who was the founder of Rogue, um, who who was an amazing man. I loved him, but uh, but Jack looks at me and goes, "Wow, congratulations, to you Uber Pills, huh?" And within three months, Rogue Brewing Company had an Uber Pills in the market. So. Uh,
0: that's one of the things you go, hmm. <laughs> yeah, to, um, so I guess uh, some of the advice you could give to new brewery owners is uh Well, contact, one piece of advice
1: uh, <laughs> is, is do your homework on your intellectual property. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, and it, you know, it's harder and harder to, to create beer names that you can actually get trademarks on. I mean, we probably have to send... Um, we ha- we probably have to send a nasty gram off at least two to three times a year to somebody who's inadvertently tripped over one of our trademarks. And we're not trying to be jerks about it. But I mean, guys, this is this is part of my business. This is my branding. And I'm not going to let you just, you know, grab it and walk away. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I I'm, can't do that. I mean, I've got investors, I got a fiduciary
0: responsibility to those people to protect that stuff. And I I also think like, wrapped up in like the public outcry whenever they see someone send a a cease and desist for right. trademark disputes like right. you have to or you lose it like you, well, yeah. if you if you were just like oh i can let him use that like then you end up losing that trademark yeah, and, so you, and and you i mean you can't it's 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 not a
1: question of you're trying to be a jerk it's you you it is to not do it is bad business, and as I said, you—if ha- you're running one of these things, you probably have investors. So you've got a fiduciary responsibility to those people to protect their interests. One, two—you've got—you've got employees, so you've got a responsibility to do everything you can to maintain the viability of the organization, so they can continue to
0: work. Yeah. Um, with the the huge number of craft breweries in the. Seemingly infinite number of beers that are made now. Right. How important do you th- do you feel a trademarkable name for a beer is? It's, it's critically you know? important because I. That's one thing I'd, I've noticed a lot lately. Like if you go on to Untapped or something to check into a beer right. and you look, like more and more, there will be like. 20 breweries with the exact same named beer so that that just had the thought in the back of my head like is that starting to go away or or is it just no one's paying attention if someone has the trademark and
1: i i I think that there's first off uh anecdotally I i would venture to say that um 95% Ninety-five percent of those instances are going to be really, really, really small breweries yeah, that are doing that, all are, that are, are, are doing ninety-eight percent of their business in their taproom. So, uh, you know, you you can't actually get a trademark on a name unless it's in interstate commerce.
0: Oh, okay. So if you if you're brewery is only located fully in one state, you can't get a trademark on it? Probably
1: not. Oh, well, That's, that I is what I, that. I mean, because I know that one of the criteria that we have to, is we have to um, you know, we, we, we file and we look for registration but I can't actually get the mark until I have announced that that, that the product is an in, interstate commerce. Okay. So so that may be part of it. The other thing is, it costs money to do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, you're, you're trying to save a nickel here and, and you just kind of, you know, skirt it. Um, but if you do and somebody who's done their homework, um, you know, calls you up and says, hey, and most of the time those calls are sound something like, you know, I want you to know you're going to get a letter from my attorney. Uh, but I'm just giving you a heads up because I'm not trying to be a, a Richard here. Yeah. Um. You know, you cross this line, I'd appreciate it if we can work this out in an amicable way. So. Yeah,
0: I found um an interesting recently Stone uh-huh. went with up the keystone Yeah, thing. with the Keystone. Yeah,
1: I really don't know where that's going to go, boy. That's, it, it, that's a reach the, as far as I
0: can see. I don't know. I mean, I I could if you take his video at uh-huh. face value, where he's talking about how they're right. more and more using just stone right. in their advertising and things. Well, if that's it's, the case, then he's got a valid point. And, and I guess holding the can up so it only shows the stone part of it is a little dubious, right. but...
1: Well, I've known Greg for a while, and he is a uh, really smart and very clever operator and yeah. a
0: brilliant marketer. Well, that's what I mean. If anything, that was amazing marketing, and it definitely right. it, it, it gave them the beer news cycle for a little while. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, and I liked, I liked the way he ended it, too. It's like, all we're asking you is to put the key back into the stone or something <laughs> like that, and, and we'll have no problem.
1: Well, like I said, he's a real character.
0: So the— one of the actually before i get to my next question cuz i'm going to ask you to tell a story uh-huh. um, i want to thank Roast house pub for their continued support of the uncapped podcast and they often have uh, heavy seas mm-hmm. beer on tap I've i think yeah you've you've been in um some of the spaghetti dinner nights I believe I don't those... know that I was there
1: I've been in there well, I mean I like Heavy, heavy Seas there. has been yeah. one yeah. of the one of my featured, guys, I'm sure was about there but yeah one
0: of the featured beers and I think there's been a Heavy Seas beer dinner there could be in the past too um which are absolutely always amazing so thank you again Roast House Pub and everyone keep an eye out for a loyalty card uh I'll use that in air quotes Um, But we'll be coming out with a card for uncapped listeners that will give you special benefits at Roast House Pub. So keep your eyes out and listening for the details on that. And once again, thank you, Nico and Mary and everyone at the Roast House Pub. So I've taken several tours here. in a couple times I've come, my wife always went on and made sure that it was one, like, advertised as one that you were giving. Oh, really? Yeah. Do, do you still do that? <laughs> I do. I actually just did them Saturday. Uh, so. Awesome. So one of um, my favorite parts of the tour is your impassioned speech about why you should never drink out of a bottle. Um, <laughs> so I, I think you should just give my listeners the rundown of why you should not drink out of a bottle. Okay. Well, the primary
1: reason that you never drink out of a bottle is because... Uh, you know, 75% of your ability to determine flavor is coming through your sense of smell. So, you know, take a lesson from the wine drinkers. You put it in a damn glass. And when it's in the glass, when you're drinking, your nose is still part of the equation. And not only should you always put it in a glass, but when you put the beer in the glass, it's none of this candy-ass to crap. No, you go right down the middle of the glass, and you allow all the flavor and aroma that my staff busted their fannies to get into that bottle of beer to be released for your beer-drinking enjoyment. I mean, that's just, you know, it's just goddamn common sense. <laughs> so, you know, it's beer. Let's not be uh, dainty about it. Pour a goddamn beer.
0: <laughs> well, you, So, though, you did leave out my favorite part of it, where uh-huh. you talk about the spilling over and... Um, oh, and if, that, if yeah, you're going, and, the, and the
1: other thing you got to keep in mind, yeah. true, and, and thank you If, if for, you're going to
0: be an animal and drink out of a bottle. If you're,
1: if you're forced, then you've got to remember that the last thing that happens in the filling process is that the beer is caused to foam, and then the crown comes down, and that's to get the air out. Um, well, that means that there's always going to be that little layer of beer that gets caught between the crown and the lip of the bottle, and that is the first thing that's going to oxidize. So if you've ever popped the top off a bottle of beer and thrown it down the old gullet post haste, and gotten that nasty-ass tinny flavor in your mouth, that's what that was, was that oxidized layer of beer. So if you're forced to consume it straight from a bottle, you're supposed to remove your pocket handkerchief. We all carry one of these, right? <laughs> Vigorously remove said nasty-ass film, and then you can proceed with reckless abandon to enjoy your refreshing party beverage.
0: So is it... Um do, do you use uh, tours as your outlet for the... Your for the former theatrical yeah. crap? Uh, n- <laughs> I,
1: I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's more a question of... Um, I, I like to think I've got a pretty good sense of humor, and the, the thing with, with life is we often take it all entirely too seriously, so I enjoy telling stories. And I enjoy having a laugh, and I think that's probably more what
0: drives anything yeah. than, than any particular theatrical aspirations. Well, I, I mean, I've uh, twice now I've taken tours of heavy seas right. that you gave, and I could definitely. Say oh, there's a performance aspect. Yeah, to there's it. a, but it you give one of the more entertaining tours. Well, thank you. It's educational and entertaining. Well,
1: that's what I'm really trying to do because if you just do techno
0: babble, nobody cares. Oh yeah um, uh, when it, I so I would even say, like for someone like me who's toured uh, hundreds of breweries at this point, uh-huh. and the second time i tore I came here it was after be- being at hundreds of breweries, right It's still informative and entertaining, yep. it's not listening to the same blah blah, blah, the work goes into in mm-hmm. all the technical aspects
1: now that's I mean and I think that is a direct throwback to you know when I was doing that kind of stuff because. It, I mean, if if it's not entertaining, you're not going to hold their attention. And if you don't hold their attention, you're really not doing them. I mean, why did they bother to come? Yeah. Uh, so I just think that that's pretty important. And as I said, it makes it more fun for me, too.
0: So So um, what about people who drink out of cans? Are they animals also? Or are you well, okay with out of a can? You have to look at it from this standpoint. Um.
1: Why did they buy the cans in the first place? They probably bought them because they're boating or, or they're on the golf yeah. course or whatever. So yeah, you are you are screwing yourself a little bit because your nose is still now cut out of the equation. But uh, I think the reason that I that I um, that I preach so heavily about that is when you're paying ten to twelve dollars a six pack for uh, for a six pack of good beer, I want you to experience what you paid for, and you know if you're drinking straight out of the can you're probably doing that because of the context of what you're in so you're just understanding you're you're making that compromise up front but yeah screw the cans drink it out of a can
0: <laughs> I, I, I do i i almost will never drink a beer out of a bottle but i will find myself in occasions where i'll drink out well, of a can well it depends what you're doing i mean if yeah. you
1: if you're if you're boating you're probably drinking out of the can yeah
0: or at a pool or yeah, at exactly. the beach or you've snuck something someplace you're not supposed to have it there a can is a better vessel <laughs> <laughs> so we we briefly touched on um the, the all of the bills and things you had to have passed just to open uh-huh so, and we, we discussed a little bit beforehand that right now is almost another one of those critical moments. Maybe not as, although in some ways it, it has a direct effect on heavy seas. Sure, it does. Um, so, how, how do you things feel that things are going right now? Are you, I, uh, do you think uh, we're headed in a good place or I think are you we're worried potentially that it's becoming he- ugly?
1: I, I think we're, well, it has, it has yeah, become definitely. ugly. It's not if it will become ugly, it has become ugly. And I think we're moving in a good direction in that the, partly as a byproduct of the ugliness, the members of the legislature are actually beginning to understand these issues from other than, you know, some large lobbying group telling them what the hell is they're supposed to vote on. So that's positive. Uh, and I think that partly because of the ugliness that has come about. Uh, I do believe that uh, some of the other factions, and the factions being basically retailers, wholesalers, brewers, uh, are going to be a lot more willing to, in good faith, sit down and have conversations. So I think that there is some positive stuff to, to, to be gotten out of all this. I don't know what the timeline's going to look like. You know, the Comptroller certainly has been... Uh, Enormously helpful because he forced the conversations to, to take place, um, but we can't force people to come up with agreements. Yeah. So, so while there's been a lot of good, uh, I'm I said I'm just really hopeful that whether it's now or next year or whenever, that we can begin. We all have to realize that it's in everybody's best interest to continue to to move this ball down the field.
0: Now. I you definitely have strong relationships with distributors, and I would say with the wholesalers. Yeah, and I mean those are my retailers. customers. Those are my business partners. The people you talk to do you do you get a sense from them that they feel like if breweries um, are allowed to sell more of their own beer themselves, that it puts them in jeopardy, or is I, that I, a I, narrative pushed forth I, just I, by I, lobbying? And I entities? do believe
1: that there are. Retailers who feel that taproom sales are cutting into their business, and I can't, I can't with certainty tell them that they're wrong. Uh, I can tell them that most of the information that I'm receiving anecdotally is that the taprooms are helping drive people into their places of business, and they're ordering the beers that they've experienced in taprooms. Yeah. So. But whether or not we're actually cutting into their overall business, that that I can't say. I I can say that, you know, on a broad basis, the on-premise business is down. We didn't cause that. That's just life. Beer vis-a-vis wine and spirits is slightly down. We didn't cause that. So I'm wondering whether or not there's some confusion between my business is harder than it used to be and, oh, these guys' fault... To my business is just harder than it used to be, yeah. and we need to figure out how to do it better.
0: Well, yeah, because even from the standpoint of retail places, that there are a lot more choices than yeah, ever. Exactly. So there, there's a lot more competition within that industry
1: itself. Yeah. So. I, I mean, you know, nothing's getting any easier. I mean, you know, my business is, is as competitive as it has ever been. Uh, and you know, we just have to acknowledge that. This is, you know, we either rise to the occasion or we go away Um, So, so I can understand I can understand their, their, their fearfulness that this is indeed the case I'm not sure I agree with it, but um, But I think we just need to find a way Now, you know, one other thing that we want to keep in mind And this is a, this is something that I think uh, People lose sight of Is that I can't sell you a product that I don't own or make so, yeah. you know, I'm not going to have the booze. I'm not going to have the wine. Um, so I'm not a bar. Yeah. There's a lot of... Th- you know, I'm I'm a place where people can buy my products, and
0: that's it. Yeah. Although, despite some of its other problems for um, alcohol-related industries in Pennsylvania, right. that's one thing that they're even allowed to do in Pennsylvania. Really? I wasn't yeah. aware of that. If you own a brewery... Winery or distillery in Pennsylvania, you can sell any other product as long as it has to be produced in Pennsylvania. Okay, well, so uh, a Pennsylvania brewery can sell Pennsylvania-created uh, spirits and wine. Right.
1: Well, I mean, again, that's something that, that the Pennsylvania legislature obviously looked at and decided was okay. Yeah, it
0: was. A, I think it, it's only like a year or two in, old. In 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 in
1: this market, I mean, I I think we have to give. We you know we have to acknowledge. The fact that I don't want to be a competitor for my customers, you know, if you buy a pint of beer over the bar here, you're going to pay the same thing here that you that everybody's going to pay in most bars and restaurants. Why is that? It's Because I don't want to be their competitor. You spend the same amount of money for a six pack here, and we have customers sometimes say, "Well, it should be cheaper here." And the answer is no, it shouldn't be. Uh, if you go, if you buy a bottle, because yeah,
0: then it's a very valid complaint. Absolutely,
1: from them. and and these people are those folks are my bread and butter. This is fluff. We like it, it's nice fluff, it's high margin fluff, and even more importantly, it's brand building. Yeah.
0: It's great for education Bingo. and all Bingo. those reasons. Bingo. But I,
1: I mean, my business is wholesale distribution.
0: And um, so speaking of wholesalers too, I think, and I hope people are listening, because one of the things, we, we, we touched on this briefly beforehand, that I've seen that uh, a misconception that breweries right now want to break apart. The three tier system Absolutely that not. they don't want to have distributors, or and I, I know you definitely am a huge a distributor, supporter of the, the
1: three tier system.
0: And it's been echoed. I mean, I'm sure because there are differing opinions. There's one or two brewery owner that thinks that it, that it isn't, but there may not be. But for the vast majority, of this has nothing to do with tearing apart the three tier system. They. They just want some changes made, well, basically just in franchise law. Uh, but there are some there are some
1: areas where we have work to do to improve it. But but, but you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. You know, I mean, what people don't realize is it's the distributors who gets my, who get my product from this facility out onto the store shelves. They're the ones who facilitate that. I need them to be successful because that's how they can continue okay. to and do that. And you want them to be <laughs> Absolutely I want them to be successful. <laughs> the other thing people tend to realize or, or don't seem to realize is that um, because most of the well, virtually all the beer distributors, you know, are either affiliated with Bud, Miller, Coors or or Miller and Coors combined, I'm feeling, like, well that's that's bad. No, it's not bad. It's because it's because of the viability of those products. That those trucks can leave that warehouse every day full. If you don't have a full truck leaving your warehouse, you're not making any money. So those cases are a lot. Allow brands like me and some of the smaller brands to for the distributor. Hit exactly. <laughs> those brands are what are paving the way for, to get us on the shelves. Then we have to pull through and then we have to perform. But no, I mean the three tier system. Without the three tier system, craft beer would not be what it is today.
0: Yeah, and. I don't want to speak for you, but I assume you don't want to go buy a fleet of trucks and deliver all of your beer. No, I don't <laughs> want to do that at all. And and, and
1: and and you know it's funny, that's one of the I think that's one of the issues that, that the distributors are so fearful of. And the the truth of the matter is the economics don't work. You've gotta have multiple brand families in, in your distributorship to make that work. I mean, invariably if you're self distributing you're gonna get a phone call from a draft account at 4:30 on a Friday afternoon, and somebody's got a hot shot of a keg of beer, and it's a two-hour ride, and you're making 30 bucks on that keg. Yeah. And so, to 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 not drop the ball, you're probably 50 bucks in the hole for the delivery. <laughs> Plus, you got all those receivables. I don't want those receivables. So, no, nah, I mean. There are ways to improve the climate, but I don't want... I need the middle tier. The middle tier is how we stay alive.
0: Yeah. And you need the end because... Well, of course you need the end. <laughs> because they're the, ones, it...
1: they're the ones that bring the product to the consumer. So, yeah. no, I mean, we, we're not here to hurt them. You know, we're just trying to... We're trying to grow the whole piece.
0: Yeah, I feel like there there's been some misconception from the craft beer enthusiast community, right. on what breweries want. Well, that
1: that I think you're, that you're right, and unfortunately, there's some um, some very enthusiastic consumers who, with the best of intentions, are actually making this difficult because they don't understand the they don't understand the way the system really works so you know the distributor is not my enemy we may have uh, areas where we don't completely see eye to eye but they're not my enemy yeah the retailers are not my enemy
0: it's a it's a symbiotic relationship you need each other absolutely so so
1: at the end of the day you know we appreciate your support if you do reach out for your legislator be polite and do not get all snarky because that doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah, bad.
0: as as we saw, repeatedly mentioned during the yeah. the testimony on yeah. Friday. J- they just
1: just you know be courteous, make your point. You can make your point without dropping a sling of f bombs. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. They definitely do not appreciate being sworn at. No, uh, no. Having Who does? their intentions right. questioned right. because, and and I think that's a big problem. With politics in general, people, well, these days everything
1: is so divisive and so high energy.
0: Yeah, and people will see part of the pish- picture and insert intentions right. or right. all these other things that even the slightest implication, then they're exacerbated. So it, everyone should just calm down and not think that... Um, everything is done with bad intentions. That and is correct. Be is polite correct. and persistent in your you, advocacy. You,
1: The point of having a conversation is to attempt to bring somebody either over to your point of view or to discover a point of view in the middle where you can both agree to, to agree. And you can't do that if they're in the
0: defensive posture. Yeah, because then no one listens well that way. Done. So, the, okay, we'll we'll switch gears to happier okay. uh, subjects now. Um, so the... So I, the pirate walks
1: into the bar. When he yeah. walks into the bar, the bartender looks down and notices he has a, a steering wheel sticking out of his posterior. He says, oh, man, that's really got to hurt. He says, yards driving me
0: nuts. <laughs> <laughs> On to lighter <laughs> topic matters. <laughs> so... Yeah, um... You talked about um, Americans' love affair with the hops. Yep. You have a whole line of yep. IPAs now. Yep. Um, and I noticed one of them is a hazy IPA. Yep. So how, how do you feel about that current trend? Um, if you're talking about uh,
1: the, the flat out New England style IPAs, um, which this is not. Yeah, that's this, more of
0: like just an unfiltered. It, it, it's, it's an unfiltered, and
1: it's definitely a hazy style. But um, it, its I'm not a huge fan of the quote-unquote true New England IPA because, first off, it's got no shelf life. Uh, and secondly, it's got—and um, y- y- I'm not picking on any one particular beer, but the concept of instructing people to only drink it out of a can— uh, we just yeah. talked about that earlier. Why would you do that? It's because you don't want them to actually see all the crap that's floating in the glass.
0: <laughs> well, I th- I think um, I mean I know exactly we're, right. we're talking about heady topper, right? Um, but I, I I would assume that I, at this point they could remove that from. Oh, their I think they can do any one. I because, mean, I mean clearly
1: well, clearly it's an enormously successful product. I've had it; it's a very good yeah. product.
0: Well, I mean, just from the standpoint of like they were creating that beer back when right. everyone expected to hold up a. a pale ale and be able to see through a crystal clear thing. Now, if if you follow any um, online drinking groups, like actual sludge in a can doesn't right. even bother people anymore right, right. So. And, and but to,
1: but again to me and you know i've been yeah. doing this a long time that the to me that's unprofessional old school t- um brewers. but 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 that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that i'm right i mean one of this one of the speeches that i give when i finish my tours uh you know for the last couple of years is a whole thing about at the end of the day it's totally subjective so what you like is what's important and if you really like these things i wouldn't because i'm coming at it from a different perspective but you know if that's what floats your boat have at it you know chunky or not and, but as long as it's not a goza uh,
0: well i don't <laughs> I, I, I think goza is a style that should yeah. be uninvented but that's all right so so you're saying that there will never be a uh Heavy Seas goes up. no. I'm not saying Tank. that at all. <laughs> I'm saying that I won't drink okay. it. <laughs> you, you won't be doing any of the quality control for no, no,
1: it, and no, I'll be out sight of that one, but no, I'm not a Goza fan. So we have folks in the brewery who are goza fans. I think our quality team leader, Megan's a Goza fan. I'm a goza fan, but not me.
0: They' great beers. you should make one.
1: I'll never say never, <laughs> and we're putting in a new fifteen-barrel pilot plant, so we may play games with some things along those lines in in that facility.
0: Yeah, so you recently just went through a fairly large expansion. Well, we're in the still the, process okay. of doing it,
1: right? So yeah, we just we just um, we just moved our uh, offices and warehouse and shipping and receiving facilities into an adjacent twenty thousand square foot of space and. Uh, we're in the process of expanding the tap room. First, first wave is done because we knocked down those old offices, so this is much bigger than it used to be. This is going to double again in size. Okay. Um, not sure what the timeline looks like because we're also installing a new canning line and a new uh, smaller brewing brewing facility to do some experimental and smaller batches of stuff. So,
0: yeah. So. It, <laughs> um so actually that's something I've I've always been curious about when when you both can and bottle mm-hmm. how do you decide what to put in what? Well, it's orders. all based on orders. I mean, I mean we don't
1: we only have one and a half products that are exclusively in one format. So, for example, the Pilsner is only in sixteen ounce cans. It's not in bottles anymore. Okay. Um, the Smooth Sale Summer Ale, which is a limited release, is only in cans. Uh, and draft. Um, Loose Cannon is both formats. Tropic Cannon is both formats. Right now, Americ Cannon is just bottles. Most retailers only want one of the two. So, uh, and some of it's driven by, you know, seasonality. I mean, during the summer, you're going to sell more cans than you do in the winter. So, you know, some of it's just
0: kind of guessing. So do you, with the mention of the new canning line, do you plan on shifting mainly to cans or is that just to add no, more capacity to your No, that's to, to add more capacity
1: to it. I mean, it gives us uh, more than twice the, uh, the, the, the throughput on the equipment, and the new one's going to give us the ability to do um, 12-pack cans in-house. We can also do 16-ounce cans. We can do a bunch of different things. On the on the new line that will just make it a little easier to be reactive to what
0: we think the market's looking for okay yeah the this is the first time I've been here since it was I think the last time I was here it was the expansion was just about the start okay and so this is definitely the tap room is substantially larger oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah it, it would it would get a little claustrophobic and well I mean it and the, the thing that's been interesting is
1: um, I mean, we have more than doubled the space, um, and it fills up. So, God, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're looking forward to making it bigger? <laughs> um, yeah, although it's not so much because um, I think I think people are. It's more comfortable as we as we add the additional space that we're going to be adding now. Then we'll be able to incorporate some things that you know make it a little more sort of consumer, uh, family friendly. Uh, which is what uh, you know. Which is what tap rooms are really supposed to all be about. It's not it, you know. You're not going to the local pub. Uh, you're you're kind of going to, uh,
0: you know, uh, a neighborhood space, uh, for lack of better words. Um, then there, there's one other story that I, I I enjoyed during the tour that you've both times when we ended in the tap room you told oh. about the talk you gave at your your daughter's um college oh is and this when I, when we went up for the beer festival there oh the yeah
1: yeah okay yeah this was my my uh my daughter went to susquehanna university which is uh in Sealings grove pennsylvania which is like i don't know 45 minutes north of, of harrisburg and um she was accepted this was the summer between her senior year in high school and her freshman year and they had a beer festival going on up there, and somebody reached out for me, and so I said, we're going, and you're working it with me. But dad, I'm 18 years old. Shut up, you're working with me. You can't drink it, but you can certainly pour it. Anyway, (laughs) um, so we get up there, and she says, but you don't distribute up here. I said, I know. And she said, well, why the hell are we doing this? I said, whoa, 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 you gotta understand. You are gonna live in this town for the next four years and half the people that are attending this festival are somehow or other affiliated with, with Susquehanna University. And you have now established yourself that you are the daughter of a brewery owner. <laughs> I have just made you a celebrity.
0: Use it to your
1: advantage, girl. Use it to your
0: advantage. So that's funny. Which I think is great thinking and amazing parenting. <laughs> And I to this day I still don't think we sell any beer in <laughs> <laughs> So from at least from a business decision it didn't pan out. No, but was but she popular? In, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It was also very funny because during that
1: during the years that she was there, um, there was a movie called She's Just Not That Into You uh, or He's Just Not That In He's Just Not That Into You that came out with Bradley Cooper and and Blah Blah Blah. And our Beer was prominently featured in the movie. Uh, you know, I mean, the opening scene—he's got a six-pack of our beers. He's buying. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> between the time they shot the film and they released it, we had changed the package designs. <laughs> but, but she definitely got a chuckle because her friends on the were watching the TV commercials. Oh, that's your dad's beer! That's your dad's beer. So
0: funny. All right, so a couple of questions. I close out every episode with. Uh-huh. Um, Due to your longevity in the industry, I hope you have a good answer to this, better than a lot of people's. Mm -hmm. What is the most ridiculous review you've ever seen about one of your products or your brewery? Um, The most ridiculous thing
1: I, I ever saw, and it just pissed me off, and it was such a good example of how... The problem with the internet is it is that it, everybody thinks that they're now an expert and they can pontificate is that is that there was some guy was doing a review and he was talking about winter storm. And I think winter storm that was the year it won the the gold medal at the World Beer Cup. Even better timing. <laughs> and, and and this guy just was talking about and and he began to just rip in a new one because it was hoppy. And and I'm looking at this thing and it's an Imperial ESB. And it was so apparent that this guy knew absolutely nothing, but God damn it, he was going to make sure he let the world know. (laughs) And that's part of the problem is is that a lot of this stuff, well, a lot of this online crap is. There's a lot of people who think that the only way that they assert their superiority is by tearing down somebody else's work, and so that just I got no room for that. It just pisses me off you can't say anything nice <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right uh, next one. what is your favorite or one of your favorite non non uh heavy seas made maryland beers heavy seas non yeah. non heavy seas maryland made beers um i have uh and that that question changes by brewery i don't ask everyone what their favorite no, no, non-heavy no, no, seas I mean, beer I mean, is i mean i mean, I mean <laughs> that's fine
1: I don't, have a, I don't have a brew, a beer particular uh, in mind. I mean, I have, I'm not a Sours fan, so that kind of eliminates <laughs> a bunch of stuff, and that, that's no reflection of the quality yeah. of those prices, just that's personal preference. Um, I have a huge amount of respect for the guys at the Brewers Art, only because, you know, they were doing the Belgian thing when nobody was particularly focused on that. Uh, and I think they've done it really well over the years. I, unfortunately, I'm getting to the point in my career where I'm kind of Belgian out, but I still have a huge amount of respect for that. Um, I think that what Tommy No is doing down at Evolution is pretty cool. Uh, so I, I like those products. Um, you know I think that I think that what uh, what John and Company are doing over at union is is pretty good. I'm actually really bullish on what I, a lot of what I'm seeing in a lot of the uh, the smaller Maryland breweries that are coming up. And some of them aren't that small. I mean, Evolution's certainly not that yeah. small. So, uh, I mean, it, it's... I've tried a lot of people's beers over, you know, the course of the 30-some years that I've been doing this, and, and I'm I'm pleased to say that so many of them, I think, are well-made. Even if they're not styles that I particularly like, the products are well-made.
0: So lots of kudos there to the, <laughs> to the rest of the guys. Um, do you have anything coming up soon or any... New beers coming up that you want to let everyone know about? Well, we just did the Americannon, which is gonna—it's a
1: new year-round product, and we're we're pretty excited about that. Uh, I think the um, I think the biggest thing right now is we're just focused on you know getting the new canning line and getting the new pilot brewery up and running. I'm really excited about the pilot brewery. I mean, it gives us the ability to do 15, 15 barrel batches of beer uh, or smaller. Um, I think one of the things that we want to do with that will be uh, a a lot more draft-only collaborations uh, among other things, featuring a lot of our Maryland peers Um, and the other thing that I'm really, really excited about that is that I haven't personally brewed a batch of beer in 24, 25 years and once we install this son of a gun, I'm getting out a new set of rubber boots and I'm going in. (laughs) So I'm I'm really. I'm going to try to actually recreate. First thing I'm going to do is try to recreate the, uh, the Stockade Amber Ale, which was my number one seller at Sisson's. If I can remember how the hell I do it, so.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
1: So that'll be that. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped about that. So.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned collaborations. That's uh, definitely something you've gotten a lot more into. Yeah. Well, than we, recently. I, I mean, we
1: always wanted to do it. You know, there was a there
0: was a period of
1: time, uh, when. I think people got the impression that, you know, we just felt we were above everybody else and didn't want to do it. And that, that was, nothing could have been further from the truth. You know, when before we expanded this brew house and some of this other stuff, which we did in the last four years, you know, we couldn't fill the orders. So, and everybody else was running around doing collaborations. And it was kind of like, I can't. Because yeah. every time, you know, I call up a distributor and say, oh, uh, I got the new version of such and so, he would say, yeah, well, fuck that. Where the hell's my loose cannon? Yeah. So um, so we couldn't do it. It wasn't that we didn't want to do it. So once we got this, then we started doing this whole series of the partnerships, we call them. Uh, Which I think is an awesome name. Yeah, the I mean, it, it fits. The... But, uh, and, and we've had a blast, and we want to do more of them. We've, we're switching them uh, beginning this year. They're only going to be on draft. Okay. And we'll be doing smaller batches because it's more fun to just do lots of things. Then you know you got 100 barrels or something, and you got to make it go away, and and that becomes a distraction. But no, we're we're we've had a blast. I mean, they've they've been
0: a lot of fun. I've been really enjoyed working with some of these other folks. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great thing for both sides of the business. Oh yeah. Because I've heard that a lot too. That just it's great working with your peers and sure. learning things from each other. And from the consumer standpoint. Um, a lot of the times what come out of those is that it's a style that your favorite brewery may not necessarily have made on their own. Right. It's the that collaboration from the other place, that what they're known for, and blending those two expertise or your fingerprints. Or, or, or there's, others, there's some other interesting things. I mean, we did a collaboration
1: with the, the new Guinness facility. Um, and what we did with that particular one is that we— we both used the same base grain bill and then they added things to theirs and then we did some things differently than ours we did ours in a belgian style they did theirs actually using our ale culture oh, cool. uh, and, which was and theirs was more sort of multi-traditional uh wasn't like a stout but it, you know it was a it was a much more traditional style beer and ours was much more sort of belgian whatever i liked theirs better than i liked ours but that's because i'm kind of belgian down. yeah um but that was enormously fun because we basically, it was sort of like that one of those, those chef competitions where they give you the ingredients and oh, they, yeah. you see know, what you can do. <laughs> bingo. And then that, and that was fun. And I hope to do another one with them.
0: When you were over there, did you try to sneak some of the yeast out? No, no, no. no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and actually, I didn't do it, some of my staff. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was fun yeah I look forward to seeing more of those that's a yeah that, me too. that's one I mean, of my favorite things in the craft beer industry is collaborations and uh, the f- fun stuff that's yeah, done yeah I don't wanna, I want to thank you so much for oh, well, having us out especially a lot of fun I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers Cheers The uncat podcast is produced by Graham Collin and me, Chris Sands. be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.